What's up, everybody? Will Alderman, Zach Belcher, the professor and the coach, back for week number three of Pythons and Pigskins. Broadcasting live from the back porch on this Thursday evening. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. Feels great out here this evening. A little bit of humidity from the rain that we had earlier today. But we got an interesting show on tap for you. Number one, this is our third week. We're hoping to go live pretty soon after we work out the kinks of learning as we go on yeah, Pythons and Pigskins. Yeah, technology's not agreeing with us right now, but we're working on it. We are working on it. We will get there. And I understand <laughs> that uh, you're actually going down for a middle school game here in a few minutes, so the coach is going to be in action tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to be coaching, but uh, of course I'm going to go down there and support my local team. Tigers play poker tonight, and I believe uh, Tigers going to come on top. All right. Good deal. Now... Let's go ahead and talk college football before we get into anything because we're not going to have a recap next week with our local teams. First of all, West Virginia University had announced on Tuesday, September 11th, that the game with North Carolina State was canceled due to Hurricane Florence. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, One thing it's going to do, it's going to affect Will Greer's uh, Heisman numbers, because there's going to be other teams playing there this weekend. And, um, that hurts Will Greer's Heisman chances. It bothers me real bad that um, they're not going to be playing this weekend. Also, it bothers me. I don't know how they're going to make up the points for the playoff system whenever they come into it, whenever they go to choose for the playoff teams. I'm hoping that it don't bother it too bad, but um, we'll see. I, th- I think they need to try to make this game up any way possible. I, t- I will tell you this. What I read on today, W offered North Carolina State to come to Morgantown, Milan Puskar Stadium, and they offered them 100% of the revenue, and they wouldn't do it. Well, that just tells me that they're too scared to take an ass whipping from WVU. Well, they bumped through the top 25 this week, and they know the, the their chances came very well, so they didn't want to. They didn't want to play us. Well, it's unfortunate. It really is. You know, we've got a legitimate opponent this year. I've heard a lot of haters, a lot of people that really just dog WVU on social media before the year began. Given WVU a lot of respect, saying, Will, you know me, you know I'm not a WVU supporter, but I like their schedule this year. They have a legit out-of-conference schedule with Tennessee at a neutral location in Charlotte, Youngstown State at home, and then, of course, NC State on the road in Raleigh. Now, if they didn't want to come to Morgantown, that's fine. Why could they have not have moved this game to a neutral location? I have heard explanations that the logistical side of it would be a nightmare that you got to have paramedics, you got to have all the concessions ready. Hey, if we're playing a football game, you just announce to the fans it is what it is. If we don't have concessions, bring your own beverage. Stock up a cooler and go like you're going to a NASCAR race at Bristol. Stop and get you some bologna sandwiches, get you a tub of potato salad, some beef jerky, and bring in your drinks and sit there and watch the ball game. I tell you, it's like this, Will. If we we, if North Carolina State would have played us, I wouldn't have cared where we'd have played them. I don't care if we, we mow down a cornfield and we'd line the son of a bitch off and we play them out there on a, on a freaking road. Uh, wherever, whenever, W comes out on top. WV would have come out on top this weekend. I definitely agree with that. I could see them winning the game. Something like 38-28, uh, to 28, probably a 10-point victory. I've been taking conservative spreads here thus far in all of my predictions. We'll get into that here in just a minute. You have little faith in William Greer. No, it's not that I don't have little faith in William Greer. It's just that I'm being cautiously optimistic is what it is. I don't want to 
overhype WVU to the point where I'm afraid of jinxing them, where we get into next week and I'll be like, well, damn it, I predicted a three-touchdown victory and they barely escaped with an overtime victory, or worse yet, I'm tell you what they you, lost a trap game. I'm going to tell you what you're scared of. What? You're scared of the year 2007. Don't bring that up. Don't ever bring that up. I will throw you out of my damn house and never let you back in this house ever again. That is not to be mentioned on this property. I hate Pitt. Eat shit, Pitt. Forever eat shit, Pitt. All Pittsburgh teams. I don't even watch hockey. And eat shit to the Penguins, too. I don't even watch hockey. Hey, next year the rivalry is renewed. It's about time it's renewed. I actually went to the final two bra- uh, backyard brawls in the Big East. I went, went with my buddy uh, Jason Teasley, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know Jason. Or no, not. I know Teasley. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, I uh, actually took John Casto to one for his uh, – Senior departing gift from Chapmanville High School. I had an extra ticket to the Backyard Brawl in 2009. Casto and I went to that game, and in the closing minutes, when uh, Bittenkirk kicked that field goal, I couldn't even watch it. And Casto's like, look up, Will. It's okay. They're going to win. And, of course, they did. I had a 19-6 victory. 19-16 victory. Now, I'm sorry. Casto, where he's so short, he probably got him in on a kid's ticket, didn't he? I had to. Yeah, definitely. And we had to t- sneak in a couple of tree stumps. Oh, wait a minute. That yeah. was his calves. That Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, we had to get him a booster seat, that's for sure, so he could see over the people in front of us. Poor Casto. I hope you hear his Casto. I do, too. I definitely hope you hear this, Casto. I love you, but not really. So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, okay. Last week. The recap of WVU's game last week. We're going to have to talk about that because we don't have a game to preview this weekend. And I agree with you. I think that's going to hurt Greer's Heisman chances. Uh, I think if we run the table, which now that's being overly confident if we run the table, it's going to hurt the fact that we don't have this game under our belt against NC State to get into the playoffs. I think it's going to come down to a situation where WVU is going to get screwed out like they always do. But I tell you what, let's, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. All right. Nice fart there, by the way. Farting right in the middle of our show. At least I did my fart before we came on the air. You fart right when I'm trying to be serious on air here and break down a WVU game. Now I'm going to have to breathe your flatulence, Coach Zach Belcher. Coach Zachary Belcher. Now, anyway, last week's WVU game, you said uh, Will Greer was going to break records. You said he was going to pass for over 600 yards and throw for seven touchdowns. He, He actually went 21 of 26. A little over 330 yards and four touchdowns. Still a pretty good performance. Yeah, it's Heisman worthy. All right, we got to give props to the running back, Freshman Brown. 115 yards on 15 carries and a touchdown. And definitely the receiver of the game, Jennings Jr. Six receptions, 97 yards, three touchdowns. I'll tell you what, one thing I did enjoy watching what Holgerson did and uh, spatting off, uh, they, they used a, uh, a plethora, a plethora of running backs there. Saturday, uh, they didn't they did. let one person get tired, and they brought in the upperclassman there in the fourth quarter, and he just he just wore them down. That's why I never criticize opponents like Youngstown State. I appreciate you scheduling teams like Youngstown. They're a, they're a respectable program. You know they're going to come in and take an ass whipping, but you're really appreciative to have opponents like that so that you can get a look at some of your other players in a live action game and not just in a glorified scrimmage session. Well, we out athlete them. Oh, definitely. That's for sure. I mean, they they hung. Hung in there with us for about what uh, the first two quarters? Yeah, first two quarters they hung in there with us pretty well. But you got to make it a game, right? And the final was fifty-two to seventeen. I said the final was going to be forty-five to ten, so I was pretty close on my prediction. And you said sixty to seven, so the final score was right there in the middle of our predictions. I don't think either one of us will buy, be buying each other a coffee this week. I still owe you a coffee from last week. Yeah, we'll be saying that that week eight. Yeah, probably. You'll never go thirsty because I'll always owe you that cup of coffee. <laughs> All right, now, Marshall, I didn't watch the game. 
I don't know if you did. I did. I watched a little bit of it. Marshall, Marshall did well. Uh, they, I'm pretty sure, uh, think I look back at it, they scored in every quarter. They scored every quarter. Very good. Yeah, and they, and they won uh, decisively. Uh, I think 32 to uh, 13 or something like 16, that. 16, 32 to 16. 32-16, thank you. But uh, Marshall did very well. They ran the ball, of course. Uh, Marshall's really strong running the ball, and I, I'm surprised uh, that Mar- since Maribel is gone that we are running the ball as well as they are. Offensive line looks phenomenal. Um, I, I'm excited to see where Marshall's season goes this year. The co- young quarterback, a young quarterback, and he's looking good. we got young backs. Our defense is carrying us, and they finally stepped up to the plate last week with uh, you know the linebackers coach last year. He stepped up and became the defense coordinator with Heater at uh, Maryland this year. He's coaching defensive backs there. But uh, Marshall, Marshall's got a good staff. Doc Holliday, I got faith in him. He's going to keep them uh, going. And uh, I think Marshall's going to end the year, and I think they're going to maybe play for a Conference USA championship at the end. Well, you were only four points off on your prediction. You predicted 34 to 14. The final was 32 to 16. I was seven points off on my prediction. I said 34 to 21. And, of course, the final was 32 to 16. But the important thing is both West Virginia schools are 2-0. and The unfortunate thing is both West Virginia schools aren't going to be playing a game this weekend. Talk a little bit about Marshall's cancellation. Marshall's cancellation, it ain't this week. We're on a bye week this week. Marshall's on a bye this week, so there will be no thundering herd. But the following week, we got North Carolina State, and it ain't, it hasn't been confirmed yet. I haven't found anything confirmed yet. But right now, North Carolina State and Marshall's not playing. I'm pretty sure uh, the following week because of Hurricane Florence, we don't know what kind of effect that's going to have on Raleigh. Uh, right now, the modules I see is going to miss uh, Raleigh, and it's going, you know, feather off into South Carolina and move on more into Tennessee. We're going to get a little rain from it, but. Um, Right now, North Carolina State's program's in, in, in rough shape, and if they they got to play games to uh, make playoffs. To, uh, to yeah, move absolutely. Up, I mean. There's only one way to move forward, and that's you got to play the game. Now, this is a baseball comment, but it's one of my favorite quotes, and I use it for everything in life. Babe Ruth said, don't ever let the fear of striking out prevent you from playing the game. That's you got to take chances, that's and true. That's, that's true with everything in life. True. You can't win if you don't play. Right, but it is unfortunate that we do have uh, Hurricane Florence crashing right now as we speak in the Carolinas. So thoughts and prayers go out to everybody. Hope that they um, have battened down the hatches. They're hunkered down, and they make it through that unscathed. But I worry about the financial damage it's going to cause down there. Oh, yeah, but we got a, we got a fund set up there in the government to take care of that. Absolutely. That's where FEMA comes into play. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the NFL now. Well, first we will go over our picks from last week. And you and I, on our predictions last week, were identical. Ten wins, five losses, and the one tie that nobody, did anybody go into week one and think to themselves, you know what, there's going to be a tie this week, and it's going to be Pittsburgh and Cleveland. I'm sure there was a lot of people predicting that Cleveland was not going to lose in week one, but did they think it would happen in that manner with the 21-21 tie? told you all. The Browns are better than what you expect. The Browns. Browns. The Browns, man. The dog pound showed up there. and I, Honestly, I think this was the best outcome for Cleveland. They didn't lose. The losing streak's over. There's no more 0-16. The losing streak's over. We're tied. Cleveland can move forward this week. And uh, who, who they got this week coming up? They got New Orleans. Now, I'll go ahead and say his prediction right here. New Orleans is good this year, boys. They put 40 points up and lost. Uh but their defense, I believe, is going to get corrected this week, and New Orleans is going to come out on top of Cleveland. But Cleveland did not lose, and the losing streak's over, and I think there's a promising future in Cleveland. Before I go any further, how important is it in the NFL 
to get out to a hot start, to get out to a 2-0, and 3-0 and start. How important is that? It's not as important because of a 16-game schedule. And if you get 10 wins, uh, you more than likely will make uh, either jump in at a, at a low seed in the, in the playoffs or you'll make wild card and play your way in. Uh, nine wins is really what you want to shoot for. In the 16-game schedule, you can you can lose your first game, maybe even the second one. I, I think a year in 2007 that New York Giants beat – uh, the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, I think they started off 0-4. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, I think you're right about that. And the reason why I was asking about that was because I nailed my prediction last week. I said Cincinnati's going to jump out to a 1-0 start. They were going to knock off the Colts out in Indianapolis, and they did that. Very exciting ball game. I was pleasantly surprised with Cincinnati's offensive line. Joe Mixon is a star in the making. I think in a few years you're going to see him go in the top five picks of fantasy running back drafts. I'm not saying he's going to go top five as far as the first round is concerned, but you're going to see him being one of the top backs taken in the next couple of years in fantasy football. I'll say it's not this week. Baltimore's defense is nice. Well, we've got on tap tonight the Bengals and the Ravens. I felt pretty confident about a Bengals win last week against Indianapolis, and it came down to the wire came down to the last-second turnover there when Andrew Luck was driving downfield in the winding moments of the game. He hit a pass out there to Doyle, the tight end. The tackle was made. I can't remember the uh, defensive back that made the tackle and cost the fumble. He picked it up and ran it, what, about 80 yards for the touchdown to seal the victory for the Bengals. But tonight I'm worried because Baltimore absolutely destroyed Buffalo last week. And I know Buffalo is not very good. Sorry, James Barker, but Buffalo is just not very good. But Baltimore's defense is a killer. And I woke up in the middle of the night. I had a nightmare last night that it was at the end of the first quarter and Baltimore had a 13-0 lead. So I want to say the Bengals are going to win tonight. I am going to go ahead and predict them winning. I'm going to say they're going to win 23-20, to but I think it's a homer pick. I'm not, I'm not confident about that pick tonight. I was confident about my homer pick last week. I'm, I'm iffy about it, but I looked up the spread. The spread is uh, minus one. Minus one. Minus one's the spread, so it's a 50-50 matchup. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Baltimore's defense on this. I think, okay. Bengals, I think Bengals will score 23 points, but I think Baltimore scores 35. Okay, well, so we got that one out of the way. Let's move on now to Carolina at Atlanta. I'll take Carolina on that one. You go ahead and take Carolina all you want. Atlanta looked good last week against Philadelphia. Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL, bar none. I thought he was the best one ever since Calvin Johnson retired. Atlanta. All right. The L.A. Chargers at Buffalo, I'm going to say the L.A. Chargers by 18 touchdowns. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> L.A. Chargers by about uh, 17 points. Yeah. Touchdown and a field goal. Yeah. Two touchdowns and a field goal. I don't know. Buffalo's going to struggle with scoring this game, and they can't stop anybody either, so I'm going to say Chargers also. All right. We got Minnesota at Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers proved last week why he is one of the best quarterbacks in the modern era of the NFL with the comeback win against his division rival, the Chicago Bears. So I'm going to take Green Bay over the Vikings at home at Lambeau Field. Well, that's a great pick. I'm going to go with you. Aaron Rodgers is too good, and he willed his team back to victory last week. Remember, the Bears had a 20-0 run on them, and they came back and lost. Um, I'll tell you right now, John Gruden looks like a pure idiot. Khalil Mack is is awesome. Uh, They need to tie John Gruden up before he tries to trade any more of the open (laughs) players. I'm telling you right now. Khalil Mack, I think he had one interception, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and 15 tackles. He's a monster. I have no idea how, how in the world did he not make defensive player of the week because his team lost. 
Lord have mercy. He he need to be NFL Player of the Week this week. Cleo Mack is is a, is. I'm a Von Miller fan. Cleo Mack's best defense player in the league. Okay, now moving on to Houston at Tennessee. I'll say that Houston gets a victory this week. What do you think on that one? I think uh, you're correct. I think uh, Houston gets their problems fixed this week, and uh, Deshaun Watson comes out and he he shows up numbers like he did last year. Hope Will Fuller makes an appearance this week. I took him out of my fantasy lineup at the last minute last week because I think he was a game-time decision and he didn't have any stats. He was out of the game, but uh, he's listed as questionable this week, so maybe he's going to be another game-time decision. i got a few backup wide receivers on my roster that I could use, but right, as of right now, I've got him inserted in my lineup. Well, I do too, but he's probably going to be taken out where he didn't get me no stats last week. He broke my heart. Okay. Cleveland at New Orleans. You already said New Orleans is going to win that game. They're going to get their defense straightened out, and I agree. New Orleans has one hell of an offense. Drew Brees is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the modern era, and I'd say that New Orleans is going to win this game by about two touchdowns. i say 14 points are going to win that game. Yeah, don't sleep on Cleveland, though. I want to take New Orleans as a safe pick, but Cleveland, you better watch out for them this year. All right, Miami at J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and that's what I'm taking with my pick this week. I'm taking the New York Jets. J-E-T-S did exactly what I thought he was going to do this season. Great coaching staff, great players, and they get the team to play well. Jets, overwhelming victory. Sick defense. That's all I can say, sick defense. If you don't have them in your fantasy league and they're on the waiver wire, do yourself a favor. Stop what you're doing right now. Hit pause on this podcast and add them to your team. Kansas City at Pittsburgh. I'm not just saying this because I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm saying this because it's a feeling I have. Taking the Chiefs in an upset. I'm not, it's not going to be an upset. The Chiefs are good this year. I don't care what they did last week. Chiefs are good. Uh, Chiefs will win, and uh, Pittsburgh's going to be 0-1-1. and Okay. The next one, we've got Philadelphia, the defending Super Bowl champions, traveling down to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers, our buddy Nate Bush's team. And I think that Philly is going to jump out to that 2-0 start. Yep. I, think, I think they're going to knock off Tampa Bay this weekend. Not so fast, William. Who are you, Lee Corso? Yeah, I'm Corso right now. Tampa Bay beats right. Philadelphia. Philadelphia goes 1-1. Indianapolis avenges their loss at Washington this weekend. I'm taking them over the Redskins. Boys, I'm telling you, Alex Smith, they look good with Alex Smith there at the helm. Indianapolis looked good last week as well. Yeah, but I, I, I think Cincinnati is not as good as what you think. Uh, I hate to tell you that, but I believe so, and uh, Washington wins this one Okay, in, at FedEx Field. We've got the Arizona Cardinals still looking for their first win. They, I predicted them to win last week, and they let me down, but they're going to be on the road at the L.A. Rams. And I'm, I'm going to say the L.A. Rams start out the season 2-0, and they're going to knock off the Arizona Cardinals. Even right. with, but that's a battle of two of the best running backs in football, uh, Tom Gurley and David Johnson. Arguably, arguably. I don't think uh, – David Johnson didn't do very well last week. I think. Yeah, you're, you're right, Joe Mix. <laughs> I'm yeah, just playing. I'm yeah, just playing. Yeah, you need to be playing. Los Angeles wins this one big. The Detroit Lions against the San Francisco 49ers in the Who Gives a Shit game of the week, except my family lives in Detroit <laughs> and uh, the individuals in San Francisco. Uh, I'll just I'm gonna give my family in Detroit some love. I'm gonna say Detroit gets their first win this week. Detroit looked awful last week. <laughs> Under the new head coach, he looked awful. I'm going to go with San Francisco and Jimmy G. Did you see the video I shared on Facebook of the guy that lost his shit in the middle of the Detroit game? Yeah. Saying this effing sucks all effing year. Take him out of the effing game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> awful. Hey, uh, 
uh, Matthew Stafford looked like trash. I shared a picture also, also of him throwing a ball and him uh, his body a big trash can. He's trash. That's just wrong, man. Wow. What have the Detroit Lions ever done to any of us to sit here and talk shit about them like we do? Yeah, Detroit's got the number one crime rate in the, in the nation, so I'm going to keep talking shit about them. I hear you. All right. The Oakland Raiders yeah. come in to mile high to take on your boys. The Denver Broncos is uh, – is Oakland going to join the Mile High Club this weekend, or is Denver going to start off 2-0? and Denver's going to start off 2-0, and and John Gruden's going to take his lumps and bumps this year. He's an idiot for trading Khalil Mack. <laughs> I'll say it a thousand times. You're an idiot, John Gruden. I don't know what the hell he did to you. He, I don't know. He couldn't have done something bad enough for me to trade him. I'm telling you right now, Denver takes this one, um, not decisively, but I think it's going to be a 35-28 win. I tend to agree with you on that. I think Denver is going to win at home and no Mile High Club for John Gruden and the Raiders this weekend. Okay, last year's first loser, the New England Patriots, traveled down to Jacksonville, Florida to take on the Jaguars. I'm going to take the Patriots. I'm going to take an easy pick on that one. Who you got? Patriots uh, in Jacksonville game. I, I, I got Jacksonville. I'll be honest with you. Jacksonville defense is really good. All right, so we've disagreed on a few so far. And you've got the Sunday night game of the week. A lot of fans really enjoy this one, the um, – NFC East rivalry. Is it the NFC East? It is. Okay, NFC East rivalry with the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys at the Dallas Cowboys. If I said New York, I do apologize if the game is at New York, but it's going to be at Dallas out there in Arlington. Eighth eighth wonder of the world. So I'm going to take the Cowboys in that one. I took the Cowboys last week, and they let me down, but I'm going to take them this week. I'm going to say that they're going to get back to 500 this week defeating the New York Giants. Uh, You're wrong there. Dallas Cowboys is not very good this year. Jason, uh, uh, whatever his last name, I can't even, what is his last name? Jason who? J- the head coach, Jason. Whitten. I thought you were talking about Jason Hard-Hitting Witt. No, no, he ain't, <laughs> even, he ain't there. No I know he's not there anymore, but you can't think of the Dallas Cowboys in the past 13 or 14 seasons without thinking of Hard-Hitting Witt. Well, I'm telling you right now, Dallas Cowboys head coach ought to be on a hot seat. It ought to be smoldering under him. Jerry Jones is quick to fire somebody. I don't know why he's even kept him around this long, but New York wins this one decisively. Okay. You've got the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football this week taking on the Bears. You know, the Bears have got to be trying to rebound from that overwhelmingly devastating loss comeback by the Green Bay Packers last week to future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if there's any consolation prize in that loss, you could say, well, he is a future Hall of Famer, and you just got to give, you got to tip your hat to him and say, you know what, they didn't give up. I don't think the Bears are going to win this one. I'm going to take the Bears. You go ahead and take the Bears because I'm taking them too. I'm telling you right now, Seattle, Russell Wilson is going to be another future Hall of Fame quarterback. He's already won him two Super Bowls. He's he's pretty good. He's he, he's really good. The defense didn't look too bad like I thought they would. But Chicago wins this one. Lil Mac has another monster game, and I think he ought to be defensive player of the week this week. You know, I hate to point out when somebody is wrong, but you just said that Russell Wilson is a two-time Super Bowl winner. He has made an appearance in two Super Bowls where he did come out victorious and won where he beat your Denver Broncos. The next year, they That's should right. have won That's back-to-back right. Super Bowls, but guess what? Yeah, they the didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch yeah, on the one-yard line on a second goal. They had a timeout, 25 seconds remaining. What in the hell, Coach Pete Carroll, were you thinking? That's why Marshawn Lynch is in Oakland right now running the ball because he was so mad about that. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> You're right. You're right. One Super Bowl is still one more than us. And I still think, is it one more than Cincinnati? Yes, it is, and you can just – 
kiss my ass on that one there, Coach Belcher. Eventually, one of these days, let's see, I'll, I'll be 40 years old in May. You know, if, if, if I'm at the halfway point of my life, if I've made it to halftime right now and I make it to 80 years old, uh, the odds are in my favor that I'm going to see at least one Cincinnati Super Bowl victory in my life. And when that happens, I'm going to give you so much shit that it's not even going to be funny. Hopefully, we'll still be doing that podcast, too, even if it's in a damn nursing home. And I'm like, yeah, son, I told you 40 years ago they'd win that Super Bowl. No, nah, they ain't going to, William. Okay, well, let's just as long on. as Marvin Lewis is at the head coach. Well, he ain't going to be there 40 years from now, or nature's going to run its course. You better hope so. He might have him on life support calling the defense. All right, so there's our NFL wrap-up for the week. Moving on now to Major League Baseball. And... Um, i got to give some props to my Cincinnati Reds in the past two episodes when it comes time to talk about Major League Baseball. I'm always saying, well, the Reds suck. Yeah, they still suck, but they played the L.A. Dodgers pretty tough this week. Took two out of three at home from the L.A. Dodgers, and the Dodgers are in the pennant race right now. They are trying to make the playoffs. They may miss the playoffs because of the Cincinnati Reds. They've played the Reds seven times this season. The Dodgers won three games in the World Series last year. They were one game away from being world champion. The Red defeated them. The Reds defeated them six out of seven times this year. They had a 6-1 and one record against the L.A. Dodgers. So I, was, I was proud of my Reds for that. What is the Dodgers' record this year? Dodgers' record this year, uh, they're on pace to win about 93, 94 ballgames. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you as much right now. Rosters change a lot in Major League Baseball, trying to find the right combination of players. Is the Dodgers' same team they were last year? I don't think so. Reds is probably overhyping themselves. They're still not very good this year, William. No, they're not. I think that they can go into the offseason and they can better themselves. They're in a position to better themselves. They had three all-stars this year, Joey Votto, Scooter Jeanette, and uh, A. Eugenio Suarez, who, by the way, has eclipsed the 100 RBI mark. Right now he has 31 home runs and 102 RBIs. Pretty high batting average, too. He's batting around 290. So they have an MVP player. Scooter Jeanette is currently the NL batting average leader. So if Scooter Jeanette hangs on and wins the batting title this year, he is going to be the first Cincinnati Red. Since 1973, that was 45 years ago, to win a batting title. Take one guess who that Cincinnati Red was in 1973 that won the batting title. It had to be Pete Rose. It was Pete Rose. Very good. I knew even you would get that one. So you have impressed me this week with your baseball knowledge. And because of that, we'll move on. Because I can sit here and talk baseball all night. But we're not going to do that. It's football season right now. As soon as the Super Bowl is over with, I get into baseball mode. So when we start dropping episodes in February, after the Daytona 500, you're going to hear me talk about nothing but Reds baseball and Major League Baseball in general. Belcher will cover the uh, NCAA tournament and the NBA basketball. We might even ask our buddy Nate Bush to come in as a special guest host sometime and uh, give us a breakdown or a rundown, rather, on NBA basketball at that time. All right. Let's talk about professional wrestling a little bit. Saw on social media today Ric Flair, 16-time world champion, greatest of all time, married his fiancée of the past five years. And I can't remember her name to save my life, but I remember her wrestling name, Fifi the Maid from I remember, WCW. I remember Fifi the Maid. Yeah. Boy, she's got a maid, don't she? She'll, she does have it made, that's for sure. She'll be dying off soon. She'll be rich. Well, she's got it made in more ways than one when you think about it. You know, she's um, basically signed on to get a pretty good inheritance once something happens to the nature boy. And that's going to be a sad day, in my opinion, for wrestling fans everywhere. Oh, yeah. I'll try to attend that funeral. Oh, yeah, myself included. And in the process, you know, I'm not a, I'm not gay or anything, but she gets to ride Space Mountain while she's uh, waiting for him to croak and, you know, get her inheritance. Anyway, uh, saw the pictures on there of Flair's wedding, and I had to make the joke 
talking about the 16-time world champion, I said, well, is he also a 16-time husband as well? He, he might be. I know he's probably a 16-time father. That's just the ones that we know about. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what uh, what uh, wrestling event's coming up this month, William? What's our, ne- what's our next pay-per-view? We'll probably analyze Survivor Series when we get closer to Survivor Series. Um, I flipped on wrestling the other night watched it for a few minutes, but uh, most of what we're going to be talking about on this show is our old memories of wrestling. And one thing I watched the other day that just uh, really caught me by surprise, because I remember when it happened when the Macho Man was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And, of course, his mega power partner, Hulk Hogan, inducted him, and his brother came up and accepted the uh, – accepted the induction on his behalf because Randy Savage is now deceased. And, of course, Lanny Poffo, the brother of Randy Savage, Randy Poffo, had a poem that he read in Randy's honor because when he was a wrestling character in the late 80s, early 90s in WWF, his name was The Genius. And he would always start out his matches by getting on the microphone and reading the poem that he wrote. And because it was Hulk Hogan that inducted him, he said, when the mega powers split up, the storyline was real. Life is too short. It's time to heal. Those were just moving words, man. That was just beautiful. That was beautifully spoken. It is Macho Man. I, you know, I grew up in an era where I didn't get to watch Macho Man very much, but uh, you know, I got to see him a little bit in WCW. He was, he was, he was one of my favorite wrestlers that I, I, I got to go back and watch. And that's why I like the WWE app so much, is because I get to go back and watch them old school. And pay per views are, are cheaper. I mean, I think the WWE app is the way to go for us old school wrestling fans. Absolutely. I'll probably get into that after football season as well when I'm in between seasons. I don't have any sports to watch because I'm not a basketball fan, so I'll probably get into it in the wintertime, especially during Royal Rumble season. But I'm, I'm very fortunate that I got to go to WrestleMania 8, and I talked about that on our first podcast how I got to see Randy Savage win his second WWF world title, defeating none other than the 16-time champ himself, Nature Boy Ric Flair. I saw some of the greatest of all time in that one card. I was very, very fortunate as a child. Both of them, they could play the crowd camping. Yes, sir, absolutely, and they put on one hell of a match. All right, so we knew this week's show was going to be condensed and about a half hour long, but before we go, we are going to do our weekly Mount Rushmore. And we are right at 30 minutes, so tonight, this week's show is going to be right between 30 and 35 minutes, which is what I was expecting with the lack of uh, the WVU and Marshall analysis this week. So I had Coach Belcher give me a topic for the weekly Mount Rushmore. And Coach Belcher, you chose? Wide receivers. Greatest NFL wide receivers of all time. You want all right, to go, you, go with yours? Uh, let me go ahead and go with mine because your list, I imagine, will be better than mine. I, when it comes to sports history, I know my baseball, I know my NASCAR, I know my professional wrestling. I'm a bit sketchy with my pro football history, so you're going to have to forgive me on this, but here's the four receivers that I came up with. <clears throat> First and foremost, Jerry Rice, of course, the man that broke myself and a lot of other Bengals hearts in the 89 Super Bowl with that Montana to Rice drive, Montana to Rice drive. Oh, there's Jerry Taylor, mm-hmm. touchdown. Yeah. So Jerry Rice, I give him the nod as the greatest receiver of all time. He's very unselfish, and it also helps when you have Joe Montana throwing to you. I mean, they just they complemented each other very, very well. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would agree with me that uh, Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. I tell you right now, he, he did great numbers with uh, Joe Montana. He did great numbers whenever he had uh, Steve Young. Yes, he did. You know, I read something where Jerry Rice said the hardest transition from Joe Montana to Steve Young is that the spiral on the ball was different because Steve Young was a lefty. Yep. 
he said he threw it. The ball had a different trajectory and, and, and spin to it and just looked to it as it came to him. But it didn't bother him too bad, I don't believe. And I still remember that Super Bowl where they absolutely annihilated the Chargers. Right. And Deion Sanders was on the defense on that Super Bowl as well. I remember when they annihilated the Denver Broncos in the, in the 1990 Super Bowl. But that's when that was with Joe Montana. I was talking about the Steve Young Jerry Rice combination. I'm talking about the ass kicking that the San Francisco 49ers gave to the Broncos in 1990. Okay, I remember that. Yep. All right, so I've, you also have Jerry Rice on your list, I imagine. Oh yeah, Jerry Rice number one, first and foremost, and a close second. Who who would you have? Randy Moss. Randy Moss, of course. Randy Moss is a close second. He's a hometown West Virginia boy. Absolutely, Rand University. Rand University. <laughs> he cried in his induction ceremony this <clears throat> year. And this year, and, and Andy cried on live television just to be put on a first ballot Hall of Fame, and even his name, even close to being mentioned, Jerry Rice. I mean, he idolized him growing up. That's who he wanted to be. He got to play against him and with him in the NFL a little bit, I think, for the Oakland Raiders when he was together, I think in uh, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. He played yep. together. I mean, Lord have mercy. That, that right there was one of the greatest receiving cores, and uh, Randy Moss is, is amazing. He put up. He broke records, uh, records that probably never be broke. I think what he had, 23, 24 touchdowns when he went 2007 to the mm-hmm. New England Patriots. Yep. And Tom Brady, I mean, he was just a phenomenal player, one of the greatest athletes. And, I mean, he when you get a term put after you, like you just got mossed. It'd been nice if he could have got a Super Bowl ring, but, that of course, that's not entirely his fault. But I, it would have been nice to have that with his resume. It would have been, but it didn't matter. He's still a first-round ballot Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like Dan Marino. Yeah. I mean, it would have been nice to see him with a Super Bowl ring, but that didn't happen. Oh. All right, so we both agree Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, one and two. All right, are you ready to laugh at my number three? Let's hear it. I bet you it's a bingo. No, it's Deacon Moss. Deacon Moss. Deacon Moss. The old Washington wide receiver? No, 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 no. Deacon Moss was his character's name in The Longest Yard. It's actually Michael Irvin. Okay, I was, <laughs> I was, there was a Moss that played for Washington there for a few years. That was Santana, Santana Moss, Moss. Yeah. not Deacon. I was, like, I was like, did he go by a different name? You had me confused there for a minute. I'm, I, I would know a good wide receiver to go on. The Longest Yard is my favorite football movie, and I loved his character in that, and I like the version with Adam Sandler and Burt Reynolds. I know probably a lot of diehard Burt Reynolds fans are cringing at me saying that, but just with, with that whole mix of characters in the new Longest yard with Burt Reynolds, Adam Sandler. Uh, you had the professional wrestlers in it. You had Stone Cold Steve Austin. You had Goldberg. You had Kevin Nash that they replaced the steroids with est- estrogen pills. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Michael Irvin was the one that done that in the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty good resume in the NFL as well. He had three Super Bowl rings with the Dallas Cowboys there in the 1990s. He was just a fun wide receiver to watch all the way around. What do you think? No, I, it's hard for me to sit there and argue that. Uh, here, here's what I think about uh, Deke. Deacon Moss, or whatever you called him there. That was, Michael, his, that was his name in the movie, Deacon Ma- Moss. Michael Irvin had a great quarterback in Troy Aikman he in did. the early 90s, and I hated it. I thought his career got cut a little short. It did. Uh, I think he got a neck injury or a knee mm-hmm. injury, one of the two. Um, but the Cowboys had a great offensive line, of course, with Emma Smith back there. And Emma Smith, uh, you had to put more people in the box. So that left a lot of one-on-ones and, and zero coverages and single high safeties for Michael Irvin to flourish. You, you can't take everything away from uh, a team, especially when you got players like that. So Michael Irvin, I think he's a five or six on my Mount Rushmore. But if you're, we're going just top four, he's not on there. My, my number three is going to be another wide receiver that didn't, didn't win a Super Bowl would be, or he did win a Super Bowl. 
Did he win a Super Bowl with Steve Young? I can't remember. I don't think he did. He did not. He came in 98, 96. Yes. Yeah, he came uh, 98. It would be Terrell Owens. T.O. T.O. came and played for San Francisco. And he was a Bengal. He was a Bengal. He was a Bengal. He was a Bengal. But he, Terrell Owens is my number three right now. He, he holds records for most receptions in a single game. He was a force to be reckoned with. I mean, hell, uh, he carried the Philadelphia Eagles all the way to the Super Bowl and almost won it for him. I think Terrell Owens is a game changer. And when you think about greatest players or greatest people, greatest athletes of all time, you think about people that change the game. If you have to change a coverage, you have to game plan for somebody every week, week in, week out. That is what makes him the greatest of all time. And Terrell Owens made – whoever he played game plan for him. Okay. Well, you are going to laugh at me at my last pick because I kind of had a brain fart. And, I, you know, I apologize to the audience as well just for my lack of football knowledge. Like, I don't have that extensive football knowledge with my history like I do with baseball, NASCAR, and professional wrestling. Um, <clears throat> I went with my favorite wide receiver of all time, and it is a Cincinnati Bengal. I went with Chris Collins. No, no, not Chris Collinsworth. I went with Chad Johnson. Ocho Cinco, okay. and I know he's not. I know he's not a top four greatest of all time, but he is my favorite football player of all time. Let me say, is he's your favorite football persona? Can yes, you agree with that? yes, he had the persona to be in the WWF. He, he had the professional wrestling persona, and I love this clip on YouTube that's got him going back and forth with defenders when he's on the line in the middle of games. And I can't remember who it was for the Baltimore Ravens, but somebody came up and got in between he and somebody else that was just friendly jawing back and forth. And he was like, come on, Michael, golly, I'm just trying to have a friendly contest here. I remember, I also remember him racing the horse. You remember when he started racing all them animals? Yeah. He was a great persona. And, you know, he was one of the reasons Al Randy Moss didn't help either when he acted like he mooned the crowd, but him (laughs) – him and uh, Randy Moss, the uh, they kind of got uh, celebrating touchdowns banned there for a little bit. I'm glad they brought that back. Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you remember the Monday Night Football game? They may have been playing the Ravens. Chad Johnson just waited for the opportunity. I think he was still Chad Johnson. I don't think he was Chad Ochocinco yet. He was just waiting for the touchdown pass from Carson Palmer. He gets it. He goes over to the sideline. He puts on a sports coat, and on the back it says Chad Johnson, NFL Hall of Fame class of 2000 question mark question mark. Is he a future Hall of Famer? He, he is not. He didn't He didn't put up the stats he should have. He had, I think, two or three good seasons there where he was a force, but he also had other wide receivers around him that allowed him to put the numbers up he did. And I think uh, the thing that surrounded him wasn't really much the numbers that he put up because he put up average numbers. He didn't do anything special. He didn't hold any records. Um, the reason why he had such following around him was because of his personality. Well, he constantly had 1,000-yard receiving seasons and double-digit touchdowns. And he was always between about 2004 through about 2010. He was a top wide receiver pick in NFL fantasy drafts. He helped me win a few fantasy championships as well. Just like I hope AJ Green's going to do for me this year. But, but <laughs> and I know, I know talent wise, I know talent wise, AJ Green is probably a better receiver than Chad Johnson. He is. AJ Green will be a uh, uh, NFL Hall of Famer because he's more consistent than. Chad Johnson ever was. All right. So, again, that was just a homer pick, and, again, my apologies, but that, he was my favorite football persona of all time. So I'm just going to throw him on my Mount Rushmore just for shits and gigs. Who you got? I got Calvin Johnson. Megatron. Megatron. Uh, he, yeah. He, another one didn't win no Super Bowl, and apparently the greatest wide receivers of all time don't have Super Bowl rings to me. But Calvin Johnson changed the game. He's a game changer. He came into the NFL. He's out of Georgia Tech. He came in with a 45-inch vertical leap. He was six foot four, six foot five, 230-pound 
man that could run a 4-3. He changed the game. You know, in college, he had a brief history with WVU. Yeah, yeah. Gator Bowl, 2007. Yeah, he did, and he lost that game. He did lose that game, 38-35, thanks to Owen Schmidt and Pat White. More so Owen Schmidt. Owen Schmidt said, damn it, we're not going to lose this Gator Bowl. Now, I, I don't understand. I This is what I don't understand. How, how why did Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas go to Georgia Tech? They are a traditional 80-20 run option team. And every now and then, for example, the maybe Dallas they had good-looking women there. I don't know. The Dallas Cowboys, same thing with Dallas Cowboys. Everybody would have to load the box and, and create one-on-one matches so you get a top wide receiver, a top five-star recruit like Demarius Thompson, Calvin Johnson was, and you just hit them over the top whenever they stack too many in the box on them. So what do you do as a defense coordinator? I'll tell you what you do. You're in a bind. You don't know what to do. you got to guess right or you're going to be way wrong. Okay, there you go. So that's going to wrap up week three of Pythons and Pigskins. If you disagree with this week's Mount Rushmore of the top four greatest wide receivers in NFL history, feel free to chime in. We'll catch you next week. Everybody have a good weekend.